As believers in Christ, we are to be reigning over life. As kings of God's kingdom, we should have ultimate authority, similar to a monarch of a great nation. What is it to be a king of God's kingdom and how are we to obtain it? The only way that we will ever understand this great calling of ours, is to understand what has been exemplified for us through Scripture. It's time to reign and rule on earth. The King Reign What does it mean to reign as kings? Where is this kingdom of ours? How do we rule as monarchs? To truly understand our calling and realize what it means to reign, we must exemplify godly kings, and follow the examples in Scripture of how good kings rule. King Hezekiah Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, was an evil king with an evil reign who caused Israel to sin against the Lord. Hezekiah had the worst possible example to follow, but he became a good king due to his actions. Let's look at Hezekiah's reign and he, Hezekiah, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, he removed the high places, and break the images, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went. 2 Kings 18 3-6. Hezekiah was anointed king at age 25. The first thing he did was clean house, he got rid of all the idols and the places of worship to apostate gods. He trusted in the Lord, clung to God's commandments, and departed not from following him. The word of God declared, and the Lord was with him. We read that there was no king like him before or after, and that included King David. God loved this guy. At one point, Hezekiah was sick unto death and called for Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah arrived with the bad news. Thus, saith the Lord, Thou shalt die and not live, 2 Kings 21. When the king heard that, he cried out to God. I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. 2 Kings 23 that sure looked like the end for old Hezekiah. When a prophet says you're going to die, it's a done deal, but something very strange happened. Before Isaiah was able to leave the courtyard, God spoke to him. Turn again, and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee and add unto thy days fifteen years. 2 Kings 25-6, this king led a godly life and did what was right before the Lord. Then in Hezekiah's time of desperation, God said that he had heard his prayers and had seen his tears. What a beautiful and loving God we serve. As if all of that weren't enough, when Hezekiah asked for a sign from God that it was true, God gave him one. The dying king asked God to turn the shadow of the sundial, time, back 10 degrees, and the Lord did it. Wow! God turned back time, he moved the earth back in time. God really loved this guy, and it was all due to Hezekiah's actions. King Jehu. Out of nowhere, this nobody became king. It reminds me of King David being chosen out of obscurity. Elisha the prophet told one of the prophet's kids to go anoint Jehu king of Israel, so he did. As the anointing oil was dripping from Jehu's hair onto his shoulders, he was told of his mission, avenge all those whom Ahab and Jezebel had killed. Jehu rose up and went looking for his first opportunity, Ahab's son, King Uram. As Jehu approached the city where Uram was, the watchman on the wall noticed him as we read here and the watchman told, saying, The driving is like the driving of Jehu the son of Nimshi, for he driveth furiously. 2 Kings 9:20. this guy was a wild man, and everyone knew it, which was why I'm assuming God chose him. As King Uram rode out to meet Jehu, we read this. And Jehu drew a bow with his full strength, and smote Jehoram between his arms, and the arrow went out through his heart. 2 Kings 9:24. this is a man of focus and passion. The arrow went right through him, 
Jehu must have been just ten feet away. Jehu went on to eliminate Jezebel, all seventy of Ahab's sons, and all Ahab's great men, kinfolks, and priests until there was no one remaining, and he was only getting started. This guy was not Rambo, this guy was none other than John Wick, death's emissary. As Jehu continued with his mission, he stopped for a break. As Yehonadab was walking over to meet him, Jehu said, Is thine heart right, as my heart is with thy heart? 2 Kings 10 15. He answered, It is, so Jehu grabbed his hand and pulled him onto the chariot. And he, Jehu, said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord, 2 Kings 10 16. After eliminating Ahab's remaining relatives in Samaria, Jehu got sneaky. He told everyone he wanted to worship Baal, an apostate god, more than Ahab ever did. After proclaiming a great assembly for Baal and sending it throughout all Israel, all the prophets of Baal showed up for this great party in the house of Baal as we read here. Jehu said to the guard, Go in and slay them, let none come forth, and they break down the image of Baal, and break down the house of Baal. Thus, Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. 2 Kings 10 25-28, what a hero! Sneaky Jehu! God was so pumped that he began pronouncing great favor to this wild king, but no sooner did the words leave God's lips figuratively than we read, but Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. 2 Kings 10 31, this guy would undoubtedly have been one of my favorites right up there with Caleb if it weren't for his lack of obedience to walk in God's law. This great king's life ended in failure. King David King David is one of the most prominent figures in history. He is the most famous ancestor of Christ, Jesus is called the Son of David. Jesus described himself as the Good Shepherd, an exact illustration of what David had done years before, and in my opinion, it earned David the honor of being called a man after God's own heart. When the prophet Samuel secretly anointed David as king, David was with his father's sheep in Bethlehem, where Christ would be born. David's life was a strange mixture of good and evil, noble deeds, high aspirations, and great accomplishments but stained by gross sins. Let's look at a few of these noble deeds and great accomplishments. Victory over Goliath. What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 1 Samuel 17:26. As soon as David showed up to the battle, he started asking everyone, What do I get for beating Goliath? He was brought before King Saul. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, thy servant shall go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said, Thou art not able, for thou art but a youth, and David said, There came a lion and bear and took a lamb out of the flock, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, the Lord that delivered me, from them will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17 32-37 We can plainly see David's faith in God when he was protecting his sheep, which later prepared him to face this giant. We all know how that ended. David honored the Lord's anointed. David honored God's choice for king by refusing to kill Saul when he had the chance even though David unjustly became a fugitive from him. And Saul went in, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave, then David arose, and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe, David's heart smote him, and he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto, the Lord's anointed. 1 Samuel 24-3-6, David chose to honor God, he called Saul God's anointed even though God had obviously rejected him by anointing David king in his stead. Amazing! David loved God openly and intimately. The sweet psalmist of the Lord showed us his love for God in word, music, and deed like no other. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 1-6 One of my favorite examples of David's love for God comes as they were returning the ark of the Lord to the city of David. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So, David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. 2 Samuel 6 14-16, everyone knew King David's great love for God, David was sure to make it undeniably obvious to all. We need to understand and see what made these men great kings unto God and begin to emulate them in our lives. Good Kings King Hezekiah Removed the high places, worshipping false gods. Removed images, what man created to emulate. Departed not from following God, went where God directed. Kept all the commandments, followed God's rules. King Jehu Zealous in service to, passionate and excited. Focused and determined, single-minded. Relentless, would not be diverted. King David Faith in God, fearlessly trusted God. Revered and honored God, refused to dishonor God. Loved God openly and intimately, for all to see. These are some of the aspects that led some men to become great kings in God's eyes. How can we implement them in our lives? Except for a handful, most of the kings throughout the history of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Let's look at one of these evil kings to get a clearer understanding of what we are not to do. King Saul. Reluctantly, God let Israel have its first earthly king after it rejected him as its sovereign monarch. God chose Saul and even gave him a new heart to lead God's people, but none of that mattered. King Saul was going to do whatever he wanted regardless of what God desired. These are a few of his failures. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, I saw the people scattered from me, I forced myself therefore, to offer a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God. 1 Samuel 13 11-13. King Saul disobeyed the prophet's words because he was afraid. The prophet told Saul that God would have established his kingdom but now it would end. The Lord had sought him as a man after his own heart. Saul blew it because of disobedience. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And Saul said, The people spared the best of the sheep and oxen, but the people took the spoil, to sacrifice unto the Lord. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight, in sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. 1 Samuel 15 10-23. Again, Saul disobeyed the prophet's words, God's command. Saul was told to destroy God's enemy and take nothing, but he let the people take the best things including the king. Saul feared the people's opinion and let them do what they wanted. God called that rebellion and stubbornness and accused him of idolatry and witchcraft. As I read Saul's responses, I see him blaming everything on the people and not taking responsibility for any of it. Because Saul was disobedient and unrepentant, God rejected him. And the woman answered one another, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousand. And Saul was very wroth, and Saul led David from that day forward, and Saul spoke to, all his servants, that they should kill David. 1 Samuel 18 7-19-1 Saul became unglued and furious when he heard the people ascribe greater honor to David than to himself. 
Saul was so self-absorbed that a simple song drove him mad with jealousy for David, which climaxed in Saul's desire to kill David. Instead of honoring David and trusting him because of the anointing of God on his life, Saul became infuriated and had David as a threat to his crown. Jealousy drove him mad with unwarranted hatred. These are a few things we need to be wary of in our own lives as we step into this calling, we do not want what happened to Saul to happen to us. Bad King. King Saul. Unbelieving, afraid. Disobedient, rebellious and stubborn. Unrepentant, blaming others. Jealous, unwarranted hatred. These are some simple examples of what we shouldn't be, but they do not give us a clear picture of our calling as true kings. To find that, we need to understand how a true king acts. In the beginning of Israel's history, God was Israel's sovereign king. He usually spoke to his people through his prophets, but occasionally, he thundered his voice from heaven. God directed them on how to live, please him, and find favor with him. God was a patient, loving, and gracious king to be revered and feared. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Psalm 24:10. I heard, the voice of many thundering say, Alleluia, for the Lord God Almighty reigneth. Revelation 19 6. The reign and dominion of that omnipotent God who has redeemed his church by his own blood was now in a more public manner betrothing her to himself. God is king, and he is glorious, he reigns with thundering. He is the victorious king. Behold a throne was set in heaven and he that sat upon it, was amazing to behold, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering, and amazing creatures flying around crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne, and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy Lord to receive glory and honour and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelation 4 1-8 John saw on a throne a glorious king whose countenance was described with the most precious and pleasant things in our world, he had a transcendent brilliance. The God and King of creation was seated on his throne, and everything he created was for his pleasure, and all of it worshipped him. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and I saw the dead great and small stand before God, and they were judged, according to their works. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20:11. The king and judge put on such majesty and terror that the earth and heaven fled from his face all were tried and judged by the book and the Lord's omniscience. This ominous king judged all according to his word, some unto life and some unto death. Even though the Lord of hosts, the King of glory, the Lord God omnipotent reigned, he was still patient and gracious toward his people. This awesome, fearsome, and unbridled monarch ruled his kingdom with love and compassion. God loved Israel, but still, it rejected him. When Israel cried out for an earthly king to rule over them, God told the prophet Samuel that the people were rejecting him as king. And the Lord said unto Samuel, They have not rejected thee but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. 1 Samuel 8 7. Can we even imagine how that must have broken God's heart? We were created for God's pleasure, now, we reject our Creator. I feel bad for God, it seems unfair to Him. Samuel explained God's thoughts of how a human king would act. This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons, he will take your daughters, he will take your fields and a tenth of everything, and you shall cry out in that day because of the king which you have chosen. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. 1 Samuel 8 11-14. Despite the repercussions associated with an earthly king, Israel continued to demand one. Finally, 
God allowed Israel to have a king. What God was trying to show us was that kings of the world take whatever they want for their own pleasure. God knows our humanity, our base desires, and our fleshly longings, He understands what an unbridled monarch could do. This view of kingship is a distorted view of the true king. To even begin to understand reigning as a king, we need to understand what a true king is like. We can then begin to step into the lordship as sons because of our spiritual heredity and bloodline and begin to rule and reign. Only Jesus was a true king reigning on earth, he is the king of kings. Jesus reigned as king like no other before him or after. From his conception to his death and resurrection, this king was different. He reigned over life and death, wind and rain, eternity, demons, and angels. Jesus reigned as king, and everything obeyed him. And they came to him, Jesus, saying, Master, Master we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm, and they being afraid wondered, saying one to another what manner of man is this for he cometh even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Luke 8 24-25. Those who had feared the storm started fearing the one who stilled it. He, Jesus, cried with a loud voice Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth. John 11:17-32. Jesus called Lazarus to come out of the grave speaking to him as if he were already alive and had nothing to do but walk out. Power went along with the word of Christ, and he who had been dead came forth. That must have been mind-blowing. Jesus is king over life and death. Are you here to torment us? Matthew 8:28. Christ has all power in heaven and earth. He holds the keys to hell and principalities, and powers are subject to him. Christ has power over Satan. Satan rules in humanity spiritually through its lusts, pride, envy, malice, and desire for revenge that make people unfit for human society and enemies to it as these poor possessed people were. This demon addressed the Savior, Jesus, Thou Son of God. Even the devils confessed Christ to be the Son of God. The Lord cast them into the swine and deliverance was accomplished. Jesus is King over demons and the demonic, and they are subject to His will. Jesus showed us His power and authority but also His humility, love, and obedience to the Father. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, He gave them a new way to rule as lords and masters. So after He, Jesus, had washed their feet, and had taken His garments, and was set down again, He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. John 13 12-15. The Lord gave us an example of how a true master and king should act. Christ taught us three things with this example. First, a humble condensation, we must learn to be lowly in heart and walk in all lowliness being respectful of our brethren. Second, a condescension to be serviceable and stoop to the meanest offices of love for the good and benefit of others as did Paul, who though free from all made himself servant to all, and as did Jesus, who came not to be ministered to but to minister. Third, a serviceableness to the sanctification one of another, we must cleanse them from the filth of this world and lovingly reprove them and do what we can to bring them to repentance. All Christians likewise are here taught to condescend to each other in love as Christ did, unasked and unpaid. Jesus wants us to follow His example and serve those we reign over. What Jesus demonstrated to them in that one act was the complete opposite of how earthly lords and masters act so much so that Peter said, No, I'll never let you wash my feet, not wanting to degrade Jesus in any way. Nevertheless, Jesus washed their feet and showed them that in God's kingdom, kings ministered to the needs of the subjects. Jesus showed us the way a true king acted. But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death. 
Philippians 2 7-8. Many thought Christ would show up as a prince and appear in splendor being the Son of God, but it was quite the contrary, He came as a servant. His life was a life of humiliation, meaninglessness, poverty, and disgrace, He had nowhere to lay His head, and He lived on alms. He was a man of sorrows and was acquainted with grief. The lowest step of His humiliation was His dying on the cross. As a result, He became the King of Kings, every knee must bow to Him, every tongue must confess that He is Lord, and all power in heaven and earth is given to Him. Jesus humbled Himself and was obedient unto death. That doesn't sound like any king I've ever heard of, yet this is our example. The Apostle Paul understood this as we read here. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, to the Jews I became a Jew, to the weak became I as weak, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the Gospel's sake. 1 Corinthians 9 17-23 It is a high attainment to renounce our own rights for the good of others. We should act as if we have no privileges that we might gain and guide more converts to Christianity. We should accommodate ourselves to all men where we might do it lawfully to gain some. Paul became a servant to all so many would be helped. Paul understood his calling as king, and that was to serve his kingdom. That is the heart of a king who wants to help his subjects. The power of God is demonstrated through the rule and authority of a heavenly king. Jesus came with power declaring his Father and the kingdom of heaven. The disciples declared Jesus and the kingdom of God with power. The Apostle Paul said, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2 4. If I cast out devils, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Matthew 12 28. The casting out of devils is a certain introduction to the kingdom of God. The casting out of devils was evidence that he was directly opposed to Satan. God's Spirit has the power to do things that are evidence of the kingdom of God being among us. It's almost as if the kingdom of God doesn't even exist without God's power doing things. The disciples were being trained and prepared to reign as kings, and boy did they. Upon the Lord's departure, his followers brought salvation and healing to the people through the cleansing blood of the Lamb. This is who we are as believers. It's our birthright. Unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God. Revelation 1 5-6. Sin leaves a stain of guilt and pollution on a soul, and nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash it out. Christ willingly shed his blood to purchase pardon for us and purify us. He has made us kings and priests of God having justified and sanctified us with his appropriation and for his glory. We govern our own spirits, conquer Satan, and have power and prevalence with God in prayer. We will judge the world. He has given us access to God as priests enabling us to enter the holiest to offer spiritual sacrifices. And hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. Revelation 5 9-10 We have been called by God to be kings on earth who stand on the righteousness of Jesus and declare God's will. We need the spirit of Caleb, who said, God said I could have this mountain. Now give it to me. We need the spirit of Jacob, who said, I will not let go until you bless me. God has given us this great honor through Christ, and we should honor Him. We need to seek God for how we should reign. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Proverbs 25 2. Some of the deeper truths of God are concealed in Scripture and come to us as we excavate the Word of God as archaeologists would. We study the Word of God, cross-reference things we learn to be true, read what the ancient theologians had to say, understand the Greek and Hebrew meanings of the original text, and so on. God does it this way to see our passion, 
dedication to the truth, and our hearts. And ye shall seek me, and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah 29:13. As we seek God through His Word, we receive revelation that no man can talk us out of. We know these things to be true because we found them ourselves and can substantiate our convictions with proof. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2:15. In a small way, getting to know God can be similar in many regards to getting to know a woman. You learn a little bit about her at first. The more you chase after her and inquire of her, the better you get to know her and the more she wants to reveal things to you. For thick-headed guys like, it's like a game. This is one of the attributes of God. God made man and woman in His image. This is one way in which God is comparable to a woman who waits patiently for someone to discover her. This is where we see God's vulnerability. God can't make us love Him, we must desire to and begin to do that, it's one way we find God. In this scripture, God was saying that He deliberately concealed things, which forces us to go looking. The Lord called this a royal and honorable task. We are called to be kings, and this is one ways we rise to the throne. Like David defending his sheep, we do this without any fanfare and in obscurity. God wants us to seek Him so we can come to know Him and do what He desires us to do so we can be good kings. This is how it was for our best example of an earthly king in the Bible, Hezekiah. And that in part was one reason he became a good king I believe. Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs during his reign, and most of them were hidden in the accounts they chronicled. When Hezekiah became king, he had his servants search to find them and publish those they felt were of God. These servants could have been the priests and Levites he charged concerning divine things, 2 Chronicles 29 4, or his princes Eliakim, Joah, or Shebna, who were called his servants, or Isaiah, Hosea, and Micah, who were the prophets of the day. Whoever it was, they transcribed these hidden proverbs from the record of Solomon's reign and published them as an appendix to the former editions of the book of Proverbs. God spoke these proverbs declaring it was the honor of kings to go search for them just a few years before Hezekiah did that. As we seek with all our heart to know and understand God and desire to obey and declare these truths to be genuine, we are risen up in God's kingdom soon to be anointed kings. This is one way that we ascend to the throne. Another way we come into our kingdom is to grow up. The heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But is under tutors, and governors until the time appointed of the father. Galatians 4 1-2. Though we are heirs to the throne, God is saying that we start out as children and then learn through everything we go through until we mature. Maturity doesn't come with time, it comes as we learn how to behave. It is a transformation that is supposed to occur. When we first become believers, we usually don't know much about God. Through reading, studying, and meditating on His Word, we come to know what God is like and what the Christian life is all about. We are considered babes or infants. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word. 1 Peter 2 2 what a great example! Everything a newborn baby needs to grow big and strong is contained in breast milk. It's such a beautiful thing to see newborns breastfeed and realize they're being fed. What a miracle! One of the names of Jesus is El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, a picture of the Lord nourishing us with Himself. As wonderful as that is, God's desire for us is that we eventually mature to eating food. I knew a woman who continued to breastfeed until her son was almost four, and breastfeeding didn't seem to have quite the same sense of awe. Let's keep that picture in mind as we read this scripture. For the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teaches you again, and are become such as need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word, for he is a babe. Hebrews 5 12-13. If we are unskillful in the word, 
We are immature, God encourages us to grow up and become mature so we can reign as kings. God wants us to grow up so we can begin to build the kingdom He has destined for us. God's whole desire is to be glorified through us, His people, and for everyone to know Him and His greatness through us. The way this happens is contained in one scripture I believe. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6:33. Matthew Henry said this. Our duty is to seek, to desire, pursue and aim at these things. Aim at the kingdom of heaven, press towards it, give diligence to make it sure, resolve not to take up short of it. Prefer heaven and heavenly blessings far before earth and earthly delights. We must seek the things of Christ more than our own things, and if ever they come into competition, we are to remember which we are to give the preference. Seek these things first. You shall have what you seek, God's righteousness, and besides that, you shall have food, and raiment, by way of overplus. As we seek first the kingdom of God, everything we need is given to us. When those around us see that happening, they come to know God's greatness by what He has done for us. God wants to be glorified through us, and that happens only when we passionately seek the things of God before our desires. King of Kings